Welcome, regrets, to this Blackhawks hockey ringcast episode twelve. The do- the 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 next week will be the Baker's dozen. So, um, actually, we are. Yeah, Stapleton. Yeah. Stapleton episode. Yes, for sure. Wait, no, no, the Alex DeBrincat episode. Oh God, Elgato, Elgato, Elgato special, Elgato special, exclusively sponsored by the premium hockey outfitters at PuckHockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Use that discount code THERINK to get 10% off of all of your orders. Uh, today is Sunday, January 21st, and I am Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. What's up, jerks? I am joined here by my good friend, co-host, and fellow grumpy old guy, Mr. John Jekyll. Hello, sir. Hey, a little slow on the trigger there with the, uh, with the soundboard. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's been, it's been a long weekend. <laughs> so anyway, um, together we are the most trusted sources at the newest online hockey hangout, the-rink.com. So um, today, later on the program, we are going to be joined by uh, the partner and senior vice president of Acme World Sports, Pete Rutilli. Uh, he represents several, or his firm represents several Blackhawks players, former and present. So uh, he has a lot to say. Um, we, we really want to thank Pete and, uh, Acme for being, you know, so gracious and coming on the program and, and talking to us. So, uh, but right now, I mean, let's jump right into it, man. I mean, the Blackhawks, where are we, John? <laughs> Sir, swirling the drain. Yes. Yeah, swirling the drain for sure. You I know, mean, it's funny because there's, there's, you know, people out there saying that, you know, you got to circle the wagons and, um, go all in on this team and, you know, I, I go, you know, like you, Gate, I, I go back decades with this team. I go back to the, you know, to the to the days of the late 90s and early 2000s and, you know, the, some of the some of the, the lean years in the 70s. And, um, you know, being a Hawks fan is is it's a commitment that never ends. But, you know, to loving the Hawks, in my opinion, is, is not like a four year old loves its mommy. Right. It's like <laughs> they can do things wrong. You know, and they're they're the uh, you know living through the Bill Words era. You know, the the management of the team can make mistakes, and there's nothing wrong with recognizing that. And there's nothing wrong with with pointing it out when it happens. And um, it's it's I, you know it's it's hard to say where this team is at because you can you can criticize um, the execution if if you know what what the what the you know sort of the overall plan is. But um, if the overall plan is to start a rebuild, <laughs> that may be where we are. You know, um, I, the thing I hope that this team will do, um, and it, you know, it may not, they may not have this this conversation till after the season. Is just be really honest with the fans about what they're trying to do. I mean, one of the things last night was was sitting Connor Murphy, um, which you know, Connor Murphy is not ever going to go to the Hall of Fame, et cetera. But when you think about defensemen on the Hawks who have actually played a really solid game in their own end pretty much all year. Murphy has, you know, and they don't have a lot of guys who do that right now. And it really showed in 46 shots last night. Yeah. And, um, you know, it just, it, it seems like there's a lot of experimentation going on with the lineup. We got the situation with Forsberg who, you know, we're not sure if he's ready to be an NHL goaltender yet. And then Jeff Glass, who's, you know, a 32 year old journeyman, and as I said to, to somebody today, I'm, you know, I'm not sure if he's 
even a you know Jason LaBarbera type of jer- uh, NHL journeyman. I'm not, I'm not sure if he's that good. I mean, he had one really nice save last night, but he also gave up a couple of soft goals. Forsberg was that was the worst I've seen him all year. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently Crawford's out for the year, although we're not 100 percent sure about that because we because nobody's nobody's reading out of the same prayer book on that one. Yeah. You know, and the rumors are still flying on that too, and and uh, so it's just it's hard to understand what the plan is with this team. Are they going to be buyers at the trade line, deadline? Are they going to be sellers? Are they going to be talking about Dylan Secura the whole time? You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And what what does that all mean? You know, where does that all go? Where you know what's the direction of the franchise? Because we thought everybody thought, and rightfully so, everybody thought that it was going to be another year or two at least of serious cup contention with this roster, that doesn't look like it's going to happen now. No. I, it just doesn't look like it's going to happen. I don't think there's any magic rabbit that's coming out of Stan Pullman's hat, you know? So I just hope that they're that the organization's honest because there's, there's a core of fans that's going to stick with this team through thick and thin, decade after decade. I'm one of those people. You're one of those people. Um, most of the people who follow us are those people, you know? And um, we're going to, we're going to stay with it, but I did, but the one thing I want to do is, is I want to know, are we rebuilding? Are we, are we really going all in on a cup or are we just, you know, marketing, <laughs> you know? So that, that's my rant for the evening. Boom. Nailed it. <laughs> much. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like you said, I mean, um, since we last recorded, uh, you know, they, they went out and look and I don't know why, for some reason, they always play well against the Winnipeg Jets now this year. When in previous years, when the Winnipeg Jets weren't that good, the Jets would come in and stomp the Blackhawks almost every time. So I don't. It's kind of like a reversal of fortunes on that one. So that, you know, after after last game or uh, after last uh, ringcast, they went and beat the the Jets two to one, which is really nice. You know, David Kamp gets his first goal on his birthday. Nice story. All this stuff. Jeff Glass. You know, we all know what he is. Um, but then you know, the, as they approach the, uh, the 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 bye week. They go and lay an egg uh, against Detroit and get shut up four to nothing. I mean, on home ice. Yeah, on home ice. Uh, Jeff Glass and Net. I mean, uh, they did the, you know, they tried to do the one more shift thing, which with with Eric Daze, which I have issue with that because they didn't even televise it. I understand it's on NBC, you know, NBCSN, so uh, they're restricted, but, you know, do it on another night then or something like that because. It's kind of gets lost in the translation there. And then, you know, they go out there and just lay a complete egg. They, they, they were not ready to go from, from the get go. They were looking to their, their five day vacation, lost four to nothing with, went out with a whimper. Okay. Everyone's got the excuse. They were looking forward this and that five days off. They went and rested. They played golf in Cabo with their shirts off and, uh, you know, that whole thing. And we all took a break for a week. Then they come back yesterday and now we start getting the excuses that, you know, beforehand, before the game even started. Oh, well, you know, they, they really should be playing against the team that, that that was also coming off the bye. And all these teams that come off the bye don't play well. Okay, well, if you know it's coming, you maybe you should prepare a little better for it. Uh, you know, I, I don't buy this excuse that just, you know, you know it's coming ahead of time, so you just let it happen. Well, do your best to not make it happen. Because they came out yesterday, and they played for 61 seconds before everything kind of imploded. Uh, you know, the the, Black, the Blackhawks came out and they scored that goal 61 seconds into the game and then it all fell apart. And uh, I, like, yeah, I, 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 I was I sick after that game because I, I didn't even want to watch the third period. 
if I wasn't recapping the game, I would have turned it off and left. Yeah. Because it was it was pitiful. I mean, the only the, you know there there were a couple of stories. They were pumping the tires on the Eric Gustafson thing, who had <laughs> sat, you know, had sat in the press box for what you know two weeks. Yeah. And then uh, you know he comes out there, he scores, you know, he has a goal and assist, and <clears throat> you know that's really that's great. But no one said anything about the egregious turnover in, the, in his own end early in the game, which luckily didn't result in a goal. But no one mentions anything about that. And then, you know, you have Kane, who actually was one of the, and I mentioned it in my, my recap, was, you know, he was one of the only guys who showed up mentally and physically for that game. Uh, you know, he had the two goals and the assist. He had his 800th career point. But other than that, I mean, they just looked terrible. They, they look like, they like they're getting worse. And, uh, yeah. you know, they lost to a team who should be on the same level, you know, it, record wise and stuff they're kind of on the same level as is the blackhawks are and, and they came out and just stomped the blackhawks and then uh yeah yeah i don't know what the hawks did over the bye um i i don't know what they worked on um because it just seemed like a lot of guys did, were not ready to play um david camp who's been really good um was really bad last night um i mean camp's job is to be a defensive center he wasn't good defensively last night um uh, the on, you know on defense, Jan Ruda was on the ice for Jeff. You pointed this out uh, on the ice for six of the seven goals scored. Now that doesn't mean that he had a role in any of those six goals, but there's a good chance that he did. If you're on for, on the ice for six of seven, and he and Forsling as a team or as a duo have struggled of late, and Forsling, as we have heard tonight, has looks like he's been sent down to Rockford. So um, you know it's it's really kind of a revolving door slash clown car in the defense. Um, you know, one of the, one of the, one of the comments or a question that I got on Twitter today was about Gustafson, you know, maybe he, maybe he'd be better at forward. You know, it's, it's easy to say that, but, but the difference between playing forward and defense at any level, and especially the NHL is huge. And, um, you know, but the, but the bottom line is, is he's, um, Gustafson is really good jumping into the play from, from a defensive defensive role. He's really good at that. Where he's not as good is coming back into his own end. It's always been the, the downfall with him. And the Hawks have a lot of guys like that. They have a lot of really good left-side puck-rushing defensemen who are a lot better coming up the ice with the puck and jumping into the play than they are getting back and covering defensively. Probably the best of them are obviously Duncan Keith, followed by Forsling. But, you know, Osterley and um, and uh, Gustafson, Kempney, those guys, those guys are still learning. You know, they're still learning how to play and be be functional two way defensemen at the NHL level. Um, so, you know, and then you sit Murphy, who's one of your stabilizing right side guys, and you know Seabrook is a is an ongoing uh, adventure these days. So it, yeah. it just, I just don't, I don't understand. Are they trying to win hockey games? Or are they trying to train guys? And that's okay. You know, if 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 what you're trying to do is just sort of use the rest of the year as an, as like a test tube to see what you got for next year. Great. Just come out and say it, you know? Yeah. Right. I understand. Yeah. I, it's baffling to me because they just, it seems like almost in, at, at every turn they're uh, fumbling and they look like they're starting to look unprofessional with the way they're kind of handling some things. Uh, yeah. No one knows what direction they're in. And then, you know, um, <clears throat> all right, the, the Corey Crawford situation. I mean, no one knows what where Corey Crawford is. No one's talked to Corey Crawford. 
apparently. I mean, you and I both wrote about this this week. Like, we're not we're not buying into any rumors. I mean, the, the rumors are what the rumors are, and, and that's not for us. Um, but they're they're not making it look good, you know. Um, if it's a personal issue, then sure, say it's a personal issue. Fine, okay, we understand that. But saying nothing makes you look kind of guilty, and uh, it, it seems kind of sketchy uh, because you got, you know. Mark Lazarus coming up with these three sources that said he has possible, you know, vertigo uh, symptoms, vertigo symptoms, which could be anything. Um, And then you have Scotty Bowman, who's the father of the GM and a senior advisor coming out on on NHL radio or whatever he was uh, and saying, oh, no, what they're saying isn't true. That's it's, uh, you know, post-concussion syndrome. And then he walks it back. And says, well, that was just my opinion. I don't know that. Okay. And then, you know, it was mentioned in the interview also that um, it happened when Malkin, you know, they, they, I think they may possibly attribute it back to when Malkin need him in the head a month previous. Yeah. So, you know, and still no one's talked to Corey Crawford now. And, and this is a subject that I kind of brought up and, you know, we're, we're seeing, you know, like. Patrick Kane making a statement. We're seeing Jonathan Taze making a statement. None of these statements jive with, you know, vertigo. You don't. You don't just get better with. Ver- you don't just wish vertigo away. Well, Kane, Kane, and Taze statements, and I encourage anybody um, who has a hard opinion on what's going on with with Crawford uh, to go go, you know, look for those statements. I mean, Taze was in John Dietz's feed from uh, the Daily Herald, and I, I don't know who, who Kane's, Kane's uh, quote was in, but um, what they're saying doesn't sound like a guy who's trying to get over a concussion or vertigo. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, exactly. That, does, that doesn't mean that you can necessarily draw a hard and fast conclusion from what they're saying either. Uh, we're hearing lots of things. Uh, we're hearing certain details from numerous people that – kind of are, aren't a hundred percent consistent, but they're about 90% consistent. Um, and again, we're not, we're not coming to any conclusions about anything because, um, until I hear it from a, a source who I, I trust implicitly, um, one way or the other, um, on whatever the deal is with him, I'm not going to come to any hard conclusions, but I, what I've been telling people, including the, the two clowns who came on our thread and started doing a victory dance because Crawford's vertigo proved how wrong we were about everything we didn't when we didn't actually ascribe to any particular no, rumor no um but i told them it's like guys you know i'm gonna wait and and reserve judgment because i don't necessarily believe every story that gets sort of possibly quietly pushed out to 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 certain reporters by the team no uh, because the hawks would not be the first team in the history of professional sports to use the the media assigned to cover the team to get a certain narrative out in, in the in the public, and it wouldn't be the first time I think that the Hawks have done that in the last uh, handful of years. Um, so uh, we got to kind of wait and see here what the deal is, and we may never know the, the whole story. And you know, bottom line is, is Jeff and I both uh, mm-hmm. wish Crawford nothing but the best, and we we also hope that he gets back and he plays for the Hawks. Um, yeah. Because they need, him. <laughs> yeah. you know, they need him, and and uh, um, lacking him, they need. Uh, they would. It would be good if they plan on winning a lot of hockey games that they that they get somebody in who can deliver in net nearly as well as he can. Um, 
So we'll see, you know. Um, but yeah, I, the way it's being handled is, is not particular. You get the sense that the, that the organization has kind of muffed it, and now they're not sure how to how or what to say. Yeah, which is baffling to me that you, based on you know the 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 PR nightmares that they've had to deal with uh, over the you know at least maybe the last five years, we'll say um, that they, they would have learned their you know learned from their mistakes and dealt with them accordingly. And, uh, you know, what, what, uh, different, you know, face these things head on a little differently. And we, you know, but I don't know. Yep. Like you said, uh, we have nothing against Corey Crawford. I don't, I love Corey Crawford. Corey Crawford is one of my favorite players on the Blackhawks and I want him back. I want him in the net because the Blackhawks are, are not going to be probably at this point in time, they're not going to make the playoffs if they don't have Corey Crawford in net. They're not going to finish over 500 without him. Yeah. So I want him back. I want the Blackhawks doing well, and I want Corey Crawford in net for for the Blackhawks. Period. Just just the the whole – and, you know, God bless him. I mean, uh, Pat Boyle's – Pat Boyle, um, you know, the the whole team, you know, Tracy Myers. I mean, they're all people doing a good job. They're professional people. Um, But this this, – Pull that they had at the end of the game last night. Oh my Should god! The trade for trade for a goalie, and and I think it, it ended up being about sixty forty that they should. And I'm sitting there going, okay, number one, who are they gonna get? Who's appreciably better yeah. than what they have right now? Yeah. Number one. number two, what are they gonna have to give up to get that guy? Yep. You know, it's, and it's like the problem is, is that they had needs before Crawford went down. You, you can't. It's just that the whole thing is just kind of. Really? Yeah. That has got know. to be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we, we we talked about trades before this Hall Crawford thing. We said we don't, we don't know yeah. if the Blackhawks have the assets to be able to fill the holes that they already have. Yeah. Now, if they're going to waste assets on bringing in a goalie who, very you know, out of all positions, bringing in a goalie from another team to come and play now behind your team, is probably one of the bigger wild cards as far as things go. I mean, you could have the Devin Dubnik thing who was playing terrible out in, in, in Arizona and then come in and play lights out, or you could have the complete opposite. Then you've wasted these assets. You have this goalie in here who does you no good. You're not able to fill any of the other holes. What kind of a mess have you made? And, and, and again, you know, Anton Forsberg may not, is not the best goalie in the world, but you're not going to get m- many people much better than him, maybe just slightly. Is that gonna is that gonna win you any games when you're losing seven to three and four to nothing? Not really. Yeah, I mean, to me, here's the thing. Here's here's where I'm at. If if Crawford is indeed out for the rest of the year, which eh, kind of sounds like he is, or even if he comes back at some point, by the time he gets back, they're probably going to be so far underwater that there's no getting back in the playoffs. Then I think the thing to do is is maybe what's what's already going on, and they're just not they're not saying it. And that is, this is going to be truly a year of experiment, experimentation, see who we got. And, you know, if that's the case, then then do it. Do it. You know, get rid of Sharp. Bring up Matthew Highmore. See what he's got, you know. Um, who else Who else do you have on defense um, down in Rockford who you think, you know, like a like kid like Dahlstrom, for example. Yeah. Who they say may have some some NHL potential. Um, you know, I, to me, it's, it's, it's that that's what you got to be doing right now is, okay, trying to f- figure out what you have for next year, who you want to keep around, who's, you know, who's part of the plan, who isn't part of the plan. Um, because 
they're going to have to make some changes in the summer. There's no even even assuming they get Crawford back 100% healthy, and I think he's still signed for a couple more years. Great, um, you still got Patrick Kane around, um, but but then after that, it starts getting kind of dicey who you want to keep around and who you don't want to keep around. Um, and you know some of these contracts with no movement clauses, how you can potentially get out of some of those deals. These are these are the kinds of decisions they need to make. But at the same time. They need to know what they're going to backfill with, what they have in, in their organization. Right. Yeah. I, it, it's a mess right now. I mean, it, it's not getting any better. It's frustrating. <laughs> it's confusing. The fans don't know what to think. I mean, they're really fumbling this up pretty well. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, people who are like, you know, people keep throwing that term out there. You know, the Blackhawks, you know, they're they're great at PR and they're this. I don't the Blackhawks aren't as great at PR as they think they are. Now, you know, they've handled some things well. I mean, I, th- I thought the Kane thing a couple of years ago, um, the, the criminal issue up in, in Buffalo, I, I actually thought that they handled that very well. Uh, the team did. Um, and um, but, you know, there have been other sure there have been other occasions, stuff they haven't they haven't handled as well. You know what they've been really good, good about is, you know, sort of the media supported marketing, the advertising, the branding, they've, they've been masterful at that. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, The, the, the events, the, those types of things, they've been masterful at those things. The message management that they try to do sometimes, especially because they have so many people out in the media saying different things. Um, they're, they're, they don't have that really locked down, at least not this year. They don't. No, they don't. (laughs) <laughs> not at all. And again, like I, I put this in my thing. I got nothing against, you know, like Mark Lazarus or Tracy Myers. If they're reporting on what they're told, I mean, they're reporting on what they're told. Yeah. You can't fault them for that. I mean, no. don't shoot the messenger on that one. They're I good. have, I have no yeah. doubt that, that someone told Mark Lazarus that he's got vertigo. I have no doubt that there, there were three sources that told yeah, him that. Right. Um, the, pro- the problem is that somebody else, uh, who happens to be the the senior VP hockey operations and the, the father of the GM told 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 the major radio show up in Toronto a week later that that wasn't true and it was something else. It wasn't even a week then, later. It was like a day later. You got, you yeah. got this these just rampant rumors of something else entirely that are going on out there um, that just won't die and there, there's more flesh coming on those bones all the time, whether they're true or not. Um, you know, so we'll see who knows. Yeah. So anyway, let's transition a little bit. Um, there was some news today. You kind of mentioned a little earlier, Gustav Forsling was sent down to Rockford. And this is because, uh, Quenville today announced that Artem Anisimov will be back in the lineup against the lightning tomorrow. So they had to make a corresponding move to be able to activate Anisimov of IR and Forsling was the player. I don't, uh, I'm not really, uh, uh, against that i'm i'm fine with it um you know he's he's been kind of struggling lately you know he, he might be a little in over his skis again fine send him down there if that's you know it was already a full house anyway um it's gonna yeah. be nice to have a nice off back but the problem is now you know where are you gonna, where are you gonna plug him in are you gonna move schmaltz over to wing again are you gonna move a nice off to the second line again are you gonna try and plug him into the third line again where he did not play well at all so i would yeah, I'd put uh, Anisimov back with Patrick Kane, and I would move Schmaltz back out to left wing. Yeah, you keep you know Schmaltz and Kane together; they've got that great um, chemistry. Um, I think that Anisimov is is a little better um, handling the center responsibilities overall than Schmaltz is. 
Yeah. Um, so that, and that line was really good, um, earlier in the year. Yeah. Um, Nisimov, Kane and Schmaltz. So, so there you go. And, and Nisimov's a good and useful player. And he had, he, he strengthens that center position, um, um, even more so than, than camp already has. And, uh, so that's that's great. I, I don't think Anisimov is going to turn this team around. No, um, no, he'll help. You know, and I'm listen. I'm watching every game the rest of the year, no matter what. You know. Yeah. Well, we we kind of have to, but yeah, well, we, we would watch, anyway. I watch every game in the 2004 season. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I mean, the bottom that's the bottom line, and and uh, but uh, I'm just anxious. I'm just anxious to see you know the, some hope for the future because. Man, if they don't change something this offseason, it's not going to get any better next year. Yeah, I mean, this this the way it's looking right now, this offseason could be more contentious than last offseason was, and that was uh yeah. Yeah, that was surprising to a lot of us, so. Yeah, I think there I think there will be more surprises coming this offseason as well. I, I think that there's it looks like but again, it, let's let's hope that I would rather they do that. I would rather they make some big and potentially unpopular moves that are meant to really get this team back in contention in two or three years, than just keep writing out this thing as it is and keep talking about the rook, you know, Dylan Secura, for example, oh. is the same here. You know, stop, please yeah. stop. You're putting yeah. way too much pressure on that kid and building way too much expectation around him. And you're, you're building fan expectations to an obscene level every year with this stuff. And the bottom line is, is, it, it, you need veteran players and you need good veteran players to win Stanley Cups. There's there's just no question about it. So yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah, for sure. I I, I agree. It's it, of course they did it with DeBrinket and 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 you know now they're going to do it with Sakura too. And he may be a great player and that's fine. Get him out here and play. But yep. just let yep. him just be like, hey, we don't know what he's going to do. He's he he's got a lot of talent. He could be really good for us. And that's all you got to say, you know, they just be honest about it. And you, yeah. but if you pump him up and he comes out there and he doesn't score goals and it's, you know, he plays five games, doesn't score a goal. You, you, you're going to have people out there going, well, he's, he's a bust. He sucks. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, that's because you, you, you pumped up, you know, you pumped the tires up so, so big that uh, he can't possibly live up to that. It's just like, like it's settled down. That's, you know, a really good example, I think, is Tara Bynum. That, you know, they built they built him some. Actually, the Hawks didn't. I'm, I, I won't even blame the Hawks for that. That was really more fans did that. They they built him up. And, and basically, so there were two camps around Tara Bynum. One was that he was the second coming of uh, Pavel Bure. And then the other one was that he was, you know, overrated and overhyped. And, you know, what happened was is he, is he had some good moments, but he also had some struggles his first couple of years. And for whatever reason, the team got down on him enough to, to make him basically a throw-in so Carolina would take Bickle's contract. And now, after he's been given some time, some some lowered expectations perhaps, he's starting to thrive in Carolina, you know. And that's the thing with, with young hockey players coming into the NHL especially is, you know, it, it, you, you can't assume that production in junior hockey automatically translates to production in NHL hockey. You can't assume the same thing about production in NCAA hockey, that it automatically translates into production in, in the NHL. It takes time, and it, sometimes it never happens. Um, and so I, and I, th- I just think that we get so hung up on, on, on these, pro- these rookies and prospects and don't give them enough time to properly develop, number one, in terms of the expectations on them. But then the other the other part of it is, is that, you know, 
I don't know. Sometimes I feel like the organization loves it because then they have a free pass to plug these guys in and they don't have to do the much harder work of going out and getting legitimate veteran players to fill those roles. I don't know. And maybe it's just the salary cap and that it is what it is and you have to accept it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess we're going to see. The, the Lightning are a pretty good team and they're coming in you know, off of a losing streak, so they may be on fire tomorrow. I saw them play on New Year's Eve against Columbus. And uh, they're good. <laughs> yeah, they're they're deep and they're good. And they you know they play a system up and down the ice. Um, the puck movement. I mean, they they remind me a lot of the great Red Wings teams of about ten years ago. The the way that they play and the way they move the puck and they have a lot of speed and just a lot of discipline. The way the way that they you know break out of their zone, the way they attack um, and move the puck up the ice. Um, a lot of guys who can score. Um, and Vasilevsky's playing great in net. They, you know, they've got Hedman on defense. They get Strawman. Um, they're they're really. It's going to be a big test for the Hawks. And you know what? If the Hawks are have any notions of actually getting in the postseason, especially the way they've played lately, they got to bring their best game for sixty minutes. They have to. Yeah, yeah. And 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 then Joe Quenville announces that Jeff Glass is going to start in net. So. Six and one half goals in the other at this point. I mean, I still think that Forsberg is a better answer long term, but, um, you know, based upon, I think Quenville's going game by game. (laughs) So based upon the last game, Glass is slightly better. You play Glass. Okay. And then Glass will probably give up five and you let Forsberg the next game. Yeah. He's almost like that animated GIF where he just throws all the papers (laughs) up in the air (laughs) because you don't know what to do from day to day, but, uh, well, okay, that that, that kind of takes care of the Blackhawks stuff. So without further ado, I think let's bring uh, Pete Rutilli in on this and uh, let's see what he has to say about some of the Blackhawks prospects and stuff. And so here we go with Pete Rutilli from Acme World Sports. We have Pete Rutilli from Acme World Sports on the line today. Um, he is the partner, senior vice president, and... Uh, NHLPA player agent. Uh, his firm represents uh, Blackhawks players that you may be familiar with, who are Vincent Estroza, Jordan Osterle, Tanner Carroll, Vili Poca, Anthony Lewis, and one of the newer Blackhawks, Henry Yokiharu. Uh, you may also recognize some other names of players who uh, they they represent, which were Tevu Teravainen, our sweet Tevu Teravainen. Uh, Antti Niemi, uh, Alex Broadhurst, and then uh, mm-hmm. actually a couple of other players that that uh, play uh, Blackhawks fans may have recognized through the past couple of years, which is uh, Cal Peterson and uh, Neil Pionk. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you know they were kind of Neil loosely Pionk, related yeah. with talks with the Blackhawks. So uh, welcome, Pete. <laughs> we're glad to have you on the line. How- yeah, happy to ha- happy to. Uh be here and talk to you guys so thanks great. for having me great great um so kind of uh just you know you, you'll probably do a better intro or a better description of what you guys do for players um you know from top mm-hmm. to bottom really actually so uh kind of give us the lay of the mm-hmm. land of what you guys do over there at acme yeah certainly well you know i guess by definition you know we're a global hockey agency so um you know we're based here in chicago um you know, but we have full partners in Helsinki, Finland. So you heard, you know, Tavo and you heard uh, Henry Yoki, how are you? And, and, you know, uh, my partner, Marcus Leto is 
one of the founders of Acme, and he's he and uh, my other partner Simo Nirnan are responsible for all those great Finnish players that you mentioned, and those guys have bright futures table, and certainly Henry, and then also Kimo Tiemann, who came over here a few years ago and won a cup, and then was able to retire. He's a, a longtime client of Marcus's, so um, we have players, you know, literally all over the world. Um, you know, we would be considered a boutique agency. Um, we've been around for 22 years now. Um, and we do everything from client service, um, you know, recruiting, things like that. Um, all of the partners are, are certified agents. You know, we're not, you know, we don't necessarily have bird dogs. We do everything ourselves. We do our own Mm -hmm. scouting. We do our own recruiting. Um, we do our own contract negotiation and we work as, as a team. So, um, you know, we've, we've carved out a nice, you know, certainly a nice niche with our, you know, with our size and with our credibility and our reputation and, and, um, yeah, we, we love it, you know? Awesome. Yeah. So Pete, um, tell us, you know, most fans in terms of their exposure to agents, they'll, uh, they'll read Mm -hmm. the agent's name in a, in a, in a news article when the player's up for Mm -hmm. contract renegotiation. But other than that, they're not really, aware of what the mm-hmm. agents are doing, you know, with the players in the background. So, I mean, I kind of want to put it on the front end in terms of how you begin to develop the relationship with the players. Is it through relationships with mm-hmm. coaches? How do the parents get involved? And then on the back end, you know, after the, or as the player's career is winding down, are you involved in transitioning the player into other things as mm-hmm. well? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's a really good question and it, it'll give you a, some good basis. So, um, you know, obviously the lifeblood to any good agency um, and agent work is um, the ability to recruit, you know, the ability to scout and then the, the ability to, to recruit players into the agency. So we're, you know, our approach is, you know, is very targeted. So certainly our networks are critical, you know, and our relationships are critical. So um, with coaches, with, scouts um with college coaches and things like that so um you know certainly we rely on our relationships and our networks um and then our scouting too so and i can just give you a quick example like our agency um you know was founded on guys that nobody really ever thought can play um you know brian rafalski was never drafted you know started his career when he finished up at university of wisconsin he went to went and played in Europe for a few years before he came back on an NHL deal. I mentioned Timo team and he was a, he was a late round pick and um, played in Europe for a long, long time before he came over and started his NHL career with Nashville. Um, Johnny Madden is another one um, who was a college free agent, tore up the university of Michigan and um, um, was a college free agent signed with the devils and um, went on to a great career and, Stanley Cups and Selkie Trophies and the whole deal. So um, we pride ourselves on our scouting. <clears throat> These days, it's crazy, you know, um, you know, watching uh, players as young as U16 and um, developing relationships with parents, managing expectations, advising these families as they kind of na- navigate um, the hockey landscape, whether it's, you know, through the USHL, the National uh, Team Development Program, um, into college hockey, um, you know, and so we, you know, we serve as advisors for, for amateur players and then, um, you know, uh, agents for 
professional players. So, um, yeah, it's an all encompassing, uh, relationship we value, um, and put a, a, an awful lot of importance on the relationships, knowing the player as good as we can. Um, we treat these kids like family. Um, you know, after a tough loss last night at the United center, we were, uh, my partner and I, my partner, Brett Peterson from Boston and, and I were out having dinner with Jordan Oysterly and, and Vinny. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we pride ourselves on that stuff. When you talk about like, you know, guys that have, <clears throat> you know, since transitioned and, and are out of hockey, Johnny Madden's a good example. Um, Johnny, you know, had a, a, a great career. Um, afterwards, he got into coaching. Um, we still are in contact, you know, weekly. You know, we have strong relationships with him. And, um, you know, he's, you know, Johnny, when he transitioned, into coaching, he, he started as an assistant and now he it, with Florida. And then, uh, you know, now he's running, um, Cleveland's, uh, Columbus's top affiliate in Cleveland. He's the head coach in the American league. So, um, we're there for the guys, you know, whatever support that they would need in transitioning to the real world. Um, you know, after post hockey, we're, we're all in, you know, like I said, we treat these guys like family. So awesome. Yeah. Now, um, Mm-hmm. Some people don't. Some people aren't aware, you know, of your background or anything like that. So I want to give people kind of a little mm-hmm. bit of an idea. You used to be the head coach of the mm-hmm. actual, the Chicago Mission, correct? Back in the day, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I always, you know, hockey was always a passion. I'm from here. Um, I grew up in Addison, Illinois. I went to Fenwick High School. Um, after that, I played a couple of years of junior hockey, one um, with Dubuque in the USHL, and then. <clears throat> the Indianapolis junior junior ice in like in the early nineties, which at that time was in like an eight team North American league. It was the name of the league. So mm-hmm. Eric Lindros actually played in the league at that time. He played for Compuers, mm-hmm. uh junior team. So I played a couple of years of junior and then I went on to play NCAA division three hockey at Augsburg college, which is uh, located in Minneapolis and had a good four year career there. Um, right after school, I bounced, around in the East coast league for about half a season and decided I was, I was done. So, you know, with playing and, and, you know, hockey's such a small world. I got, I got into business um, sales and account management and, and things like that. So I was, I was developing a, you know, you know, my business career, you know, and then coaching was always important to me to kind of stay involved in. So my business career took me to Dallas, Texas, and then on to, Orange County, California, and then back to Chicago, um, you know, where I'm from. And all along the way I was coaching, you know, just, you know, I got into the hockey community in in Dallas, you know, and started coaching Mm -hmm. there out in Orange County. I was, I was doing some coaching there. And, and, um, when I got back to Chicago, uh, I had an opportunity, um, you know, to coach with the Chicago mission. And at that time, I don't know if you guys remember Tim Breslin, but he was a longtime player for the Chicago Wolves. Yeah, I remember that. Passed name. away. Yep. Uh, yep. So Tim, Tim was my brother-in-law. Oh, Tim was married right. to my sister. And um, so at the time, you know, right before he got sick, um, we were, you know, we had agreed to coach the Chicago Mission 92 birth year uh, team together. And they were minor Bantams at the time. And, um, you know, to make a long story short, you know, he, you know, the cancer that the illness that he had came on pretty quickly and mm-hmm. he died, you know, suddenly and 
um, you know, we lost him and it's, you know, it was February of 05. So, um, you know, 12 coming up on 12 years ago. So, um, you know, we were supposed to actually coach the mission together, co-coach. And at the time I remember telling me, it's like, if you're coaching with me, your sister won't be nearly as mad when I, when I got to leave the house. <laughs> so that was kind of his, his excuse to, you know, to, to kind of get the pass is, is to, you know, we were going to coach together. So we ended up losing him. It was, you know, obviously a devastating loss. And, right. you know, my sister had um, three kids at the time, you know, six years old, three, and then, you know, one that just turned one. So it was, he's, uh, you know, somebody that I think about every day and he was, you know, he was like a brother to me and he had, a, he was a great Illinois hockey player and um, carved out a 10 year pro career and a great, great guy. But um, when I came back to Chicago, we were supposed to coach together, but um, unfortunately we weren't able to do that because we lost him. but I ended up coaching, you know, at the mission. So, so while I was still, you know, working in sales and, and had my business career, that was a hobby for me. So, and I coached some awfully good players for about six years there. So, Excellent. um, so I, I, yeah, so I, I spent, you know, six years at the mission and then <clears throat> my wife and I were about, we were going to have our first child, our, our first daughter. And like with me, the way I am with hockey, it's mm-hmm. like an obsession for yeah. me. And so my, my coaching career was like skyrocketing <laughs> <laughs> and my business career was like leveling out because I used to spend the majority of times thinking about, you know, hockey and coaching and all that stuff. So, um, when, when my daughter was born, I was like, I better get serious, you know? So I stepped away from the coaching, um, to focus on business and obviously having our, being around more for our first daughter and the whole deal. And, um, I, I had a good friend, you know, like, um, some of the other agents I, I have to say in Chicago, um, Matt Oates, Kevin Magnuson, um, Scott Bartlett, very, very good people. Mm-hmm. And I think guys that I consider friends. So, um, Kevin and, and Matt in particular, um, Billy Zito, who's not in the business any longer would hang around, um, you know, to scout players on the teams, teams that I would coach. So, you know, after I got out of coaching, um, I was working still at my business career, Billy approached me about, you know, just kind of, kind of coming on. And, um, you know, again, it's all about like networks when it comes to recruiting and of that's course. the lifeblood of any good agency. Um, so I came on with him just as like a consultant and just started scouting and watching and, and things like that, because I had built up, a, built up a pretty strong network of college coaches, junior coaches and that. So started helping Billy and, uh, and Acme. And then it just kind of grew from there. Billy, after about a couple of years, he took a job with Columbus. He got a great offer and um, is now the assistant GM with the Columbus Blue Jackets. And um, my role with Acme, you know, developed into, you know, a partnership and a full-time position. And um, it's been great. It wasn't ever something that, you know, I never said like, I'm, you know, you know, I dream of becoming a, you know, an agent, but um, between my business background and my passion for, for hockey and, you know, my networks, it's, it's cool. You know, my wife gets mad at me from time to time because she thinks like last night I was at the Hawks game with, uh, with my partner, Brett, she thinks I'm just going out for the night and hanging out and out and having a good time. And really I'm agonizing over every single shift that I'm watching. So, um, but I'm just one of those guys that finally figured out a way to, uh, you know, to work in something that I truly love where it doesn't feel like work. So, 
Yeah, I completely uh, understand that. I think John and I both. That's the long answer, guys. Yeah, John and I, I think both understand that completely. So. Yeah, because <laughs> this is uh, this is something we do in addition to our our business careers, and um, it's a passion mm-hmm. for us as well. Um, hey, uh, yep. Peter, I wanted, to, I wanted to sort of talk some more about um, the agency and um, kind of the unique. Sure. Nature. I mean, you guys clearly have a strong Chicago basis, but also mm-hmm. Finland as well. Um, that's pretty clear mm-hmm. in terms of your clientele, and uh, it sounds like you know mm-hmm. watching a Hawks game or Ice Hawks game is is you know mm-hmm. a matter of uh, you know pure passion for you. I want to ask you about one mm-hmm. of the guys um, that you guys mm-hmm. are, who I, I had the opportunity to see play in person here in Columbus when the Hawks mm-hmm. came for exhibition, and I was just mm-hmm. uh, amazed by his skill level, um, and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. really excited about him as a, as a prospect, um, and that's. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you? And I just kind of wanted to get yeah. you. I understand that you're biased, and uh, you have a, you have an interest yeah. in, the, in his in his uh, process. But still, I just mm-hmm. kind of wanted to get a sense of you know what what you guys think about him, what your scouting report is on him, and and what uh, Hawk fans mm-hmm. can expect from him going forward. Yeah, no, we were we were <clears throat> obviously pumped that the Blackhawks grabbed him, especially you know with the draft being in Chicago. Um, he was you know certainly like you know, projected as, you know, potential first round pick, but there's always that chance. You never know how the, how a draft is going to go. So um, the one thing I could just kind of just compare his path and tables path. And again, like all credit goes to, you know, my partner and, and the president of our group, Marcus Leto, when it comes to these really, really talented fins that, that come over um, table essentially turned pro at 17 years of age, um, mm-hmm. you know, with Yoke Creek. So he was playing with men um, at a young age. And, and you guys remember when Table first came over, he was a skinny guy and didn't, didn't have a good grasp of the language yet. And um, the culture was all new to him and things like that. Conversely, um, Henry left home, um, mm-hmm. you know, for the, for the, for the sixth, for his draft year, he left um, home and played for the Portland Winterhawks in the Western hockey league. Right. So Henry's, you know, like his, his English is very, very good. You know, he's a, he's a, a really bright young kid. He's got a great personality. Like he's, he's a go-getter. He spent a lot of time in Chicago, um, you know, after the draft and between the, you know, the start of the Hawks development camp and stuff like that. He's just, so for, for, for me, I think he's got a head start because he's used to North America already. You know, um, so this is his second year of junior hockey. He's back in Portland. Mm-hmm. He's having a really, really good year. He is just—he's just one of those kids. Like, you know, you—you—you you, you know, this this thing with the Hawks, like, you know, Vinny and Tanner and mm-hmm. Ville Polka and Tavo and all these guys. Really, it's just you know the players that we have. You know, certainly we we have a good relationship with those guys, but you know they're very good at at scouting and drafting and developing. And it's just really coincidental that they happen to have you know, a good amount of acne clients, but Henry's one of those guys that just kind of fits their mold. Right. So he's competitive, you know, he's, he's naturally like an energetic kid. He's very driven. Um, and he's a skilled right shot defenseman, you know, Mm -hmm. tremendous skater and a tremendous, tremendous talent. So I think he's, he's one of those kids that I think is a, just a really, really good fit. You know, Mark Kelly and, and his staff with the Hawks did a great job of just kind of, um, getting a good feel for the type of player he is. And, you know, certainly there was a long, you know, pretty big run on defensemen mm-hmm. as far as last year's draft is concerned with the Blackhawks. So 
Um, I think, I think the Blackhawk fans are going to really like Henry for hopefully uh, several years. Yeah. So. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Another one of your clients that, you know, John, John brought up, uh, mm-hmm. Henry Yokiharo, uh, another client, which, uh, mm-hmm. I kind of want to bring up was Jordan Osterle. Uh, you mentioned him a little mm-hmm. earlier now. Um, did yep. you guys represent him before he came? You guys represented him before he came to Chicago, correct? Correct. Okay. Yep, correct. Uh, do you yep. think, um, that your relationship with the Blackhawks and all the Blackhawks players that you guys, um, represent had something to do with maybe you know them bringing jordan osterland who maybe was kind of an you know an under the radar you know guy that that people mm-hmm. didn't know a lot about like you know people said blackhawk signed jordan jordan osterland no one knew who jordan osterland was now they do clearly but right i mean do you think that yeah. that, that mm-hmm. uh added into it? it it wasn't not not necessarily because you know jordan was because of his age so he signed an entry-level deal out of Western Michigan as a college free agent with Edmonton and spent, so was, when he signed his entry-level deal was two years, you know, a two-year deal. And then he was a group two uh, Edmonton Oilers uh, qualified him and he spent uh, his third year pro with Edmonton. He didn't play, you know, the, the required number of games with the big club, with the big club, which allowed him to be what we call, you know, in the CBA, a group six unrestricted free agent. Mm-hmm. So Jordy was unrestricted. Right. And, you know, I have to tell you, like my partner, Brett Peterson out in Boston is, is Jordan's primary agent, scouted him and uh, recruited him to the agency. And, and Brett kind of, you know, led the work with Jordy. Um, but I, I would say two thirds of the league tried to sign him. You know, um, so he was That's not surprising <laughs> from a from a scout. Yeah, from a scouting standpoint. So so if you guys think about it, like, you know, teams are looking to have depth and guys like like in Rockford, there's guys in, in Rockford that can play NHL games. Right. And the, in the deeper you look at the Hawks, you look at Pittsburgh and, you know, um, they look to add depth. Right. So mm-hmm. they, they have six that six of the best defensemen they want. They want another four you know, that can, that can move up no problem seamlessly. So Jordy was, was like a perfect, you know, depth defenseman mm-hmm. that can skate, that can move pucks, that can play NHL games. Where was his upside? Cause in Edmonton, he didn't really have the chance to establish himself as a full-time NHLer, but he was certainly on his way. You know, he got mm-hmm. derailed by some injuries, but the league knew about Jordan Oysterly, you know, um, mm-hmm. they knew the type of talent and the type of, of ability that he had. So, you know, the Blackhawks are, they do a great job. You know, they're, they're aggressive. Um, You know, they stepped up and, and uh, gave him a a very good fair deal that we thought was, was good. We also, you know, knowing these guys the way they do and just, you know, with me being here and um, you know, with Marcus spending, uh, you know, a lot of time here when he's in the States here in Chicago, like we know those guys, we know how they play and, and, you know, we just felt that with the the offer that they made and with his style and his skill set and and how it would fit into their system and style of play, we thought it was was good. So um and Jordy being a kid from Detroit, Michigan and having his family um close by and his you know, his brother lives here in Chicago. I mean, it was just a really, really good fit for him. It was again like you know, at the beginning of the season, he makes the team out of camp and then he's sitting for extended stretches, you know, and it's, you know, you, right. you kind of agonize over that stuff, 
but he kept, you know, to, to his credit, like he was a heck of a lot, you know, more calm and poised about it than we were. (laughs) (laughs) We were, we, we were going crazy, you know, but, um, but he knew, and it's, it's not easy to do like you're, you know, I think at one point he sat 11 straight games and then the jump right in and just go the way he went. Um, we're very, very proud of him. And it just shows his self-confidence, his, his mental toughness and, um, you know, his ability to just kind of play to his strengths and, and go get after it and, and keep his spot. Like in this business, like, you know, your job is to take somebody's job, right? you know? Um, and in, you know, in this case, like, you know, all you want is that opportunity to take a job. So once you get that opportunity, take it, you know, and, uh, to his credit, he, he did that. So I think, I mean, He's playing quite well. I mean, they, they had a rough one last night. He had six shots on goal. And he ended up even. Like, um, that's pretty he's, good. He's making an impact last so. night. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's. Exactly. I mean, look at he's he he goes from you know pretty much sitting in the press box for like you said like eleven straight games to to playing every night almost mm-hmm. you know the top ice getter yep. some nights with a future Hall of Famer. So. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's so we're awesome. yeah we're really we're pumped for him. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Hey, you got anything else? Um, well, you know what? Um, there are a couple of questions we'll kind of throw at you. We'll kind of, we got about, you know, a couple minutes left. Um, some of them were a little mm-hmm. bit detailed and I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, muck everyone down with a whole bunch of detail that uh, may tune people sure. out. But, um, uh, you know, we talked about mm-hmm. Yoki Haro, uh, Christine Cutler sent in a question about mm-hmm. Yoki Haro. So we kind of covered that. Um, Aaron Goldschmidt, mm-hmm. who works with the NCAA side of our stuff, um, he, he he does he covers mm-hmm. a lot of people. He's in Denver, so he gets to see a lot of those guys out there. Mm-hmm. Um, he, yep. he had a question, which was, uh, is college hockey becoming more of an option for top prospects given the recent success of like Keller and Besser and, and stuff like that? So you think that, mm-hmm. um, you know, instead of junior, maybe going NCAA or vice versa, something like that. What, what, what are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, you look at, you know, certainly, certainly you look at, you know, Brock Besser and, and Clayton Keller, and you look at, uh, you know, our client is a first round pick of Minnesota, Luke Cunning, who had a very, very good career at, at uh, the University of Wisconsin, you know, two years before he signed pro. But like, I guess it starts with Jack Eichel, you know, because we're, we're right in the middle of this stuff. And, yeah. and um, the majority of our American players, like they certainly like we feel very strongly about like balance right and life skill and setting yourself up for the you know the best life possible right Mm -hmm. and uh college affords you so much like so you take luke for instance and you know luke was getting badgered hounded by you know the 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 ontario league team that owned his rights with sarnia and come and play for us and you'll you can play with this first rounder and this first rounder and you'll be a first rounder and we you know, like, what do you want to do? He wanted to be a Badger, you know, and we felt very strongly about being a Badger because like, no matter what happens with hockey and this, this kid is a gifted player and he's going to be a captain in the NHL one day. Um, he's going to have, he's going to be a Badger for the rest of his life. And he's going to have access to that, that alumni group and, you know, that support. And, and um, he's, you know, he, he met his girlfriend at Wisconsin, like the, his quality of life just in those two years, at Wisconsin was, was, you know, like priceless. You can't put a price on that stuff. So, you know, hockey aside, like, you know, 
the NHL is, is not a given. And like, I, I feel strongly and, and certainly we kind of take this philosophy with our guys, um, give yourself the best opportunity. So like if a guy gets drafted, you take Vinny, Vinny and the for example, like he was drafted as an 18 year old out of Waterloo in the USHL, his 19 year old year, um, Notre Dame sent him to Waterloo again for an additional year instead of bringing him in as a true freshman. Um, Vinny played his 19 year old year at Waterloo. So his 19 year old year at Waterloo his 20 year old year. He was a freshman at Notre Dame. His 21 year old year. He was a sophomore at Notre Dame. Had he made it to his junior year, um, <clears throat> the Blackhawks would have risked losing him to free agency. Right. So the, the college, when, when you, when you get drafted, as a college player, um, the NHL team is able to hold your rights for four years, mm-hmm. right? Um, right? So after Vinny's sophomore year, that was his third year away from the draft, mm-hmm. post-draft. Um, the Blackhawks were anxious to get him out of school, you know? Um, so because of his talent and the way he was developing and, you know, all those things. So um, he could have went back, and I know that that was – you know, he's still, he's got a very good relationship and respects the Notre Dame coaches a lot, but he mm-hmm. just felt like it was time for him to turn pro. He had those, you have that time as a college player, you know? Um, and I can give you another example too of mm-hmm. a, of a Chicago area kid that was drafted by the Blackhawks by the name of Roy Radke. Right. Mm-hmm. And Roy, um, good kid, late bloomer, um, big athletic kid, but he decided to go play major junior. He just thought it was the best thing for him. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you guys remember Roy? Yes, I do. Oh, yeah. A few years, a few years back, six round, back pick, six round pick. Yep, yep. Yep. So Roy, you know, played, he, he decided to go play major junior instead. He played three years of major junior, um, did fine out there. Um, and we had opportunities to sign American league deals. Blackhawks chose to, chose to not offer him an NHL deal. We, we still feel there's a lot of, developmental upside with this young guy like mm-hmm. he's six three he can skate um we sent him to the Finnish elite league to a team in, in the Finnish elite league um about an hour and a half outside of helsinki mm-hmm. because and we're we're looking at roy's path like this is like his junior year in college right now he should be a junior in college right. <laughs> right, you right. know had he gone to college you know his development path could have been you know could have looked differently but yeah. you know the way we're looking at it is he's with you know, a, a team that is allowing him the opportunity to develop. There's NHL scouts eyes on him every night, you know, his rights with the Blackhawks have expired. So he's free to all 31 teams. And, you know, we're looking at this year as his junior year and next year, cause he's already committed to go back there for next year yeah. as his senior year. And then yeah. after his so-called senior year, we're looking to bring him back here. Um, hopefully on an NHL deal, he keeps on the path that he's on. So right. we're big, um, we're big proponents on time and development and, and life for the life balance for these guys. Right. So, right. And, and this is little, all, that was a little long winded, but I've, no, 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 you're fine. So. <laughs> no, you're fine. And this is all really mm-hmm. relevant because of the announcement this week with the, you know, uh, they were going to let uh, college, college students retain agents, you know, officially. Mm-hmm. So this, this yeah. all kind of is irrelevant yeah. with what, what they announced this week. So, um, mm-hmm. There's one other question that I kind of wanted to throw at you, and it's kind of a little bit out left field. We kind of we last week we had uh, Justin Goldman, who wor- works at the Goalie Guild. He does a lot of goalie stuff. 
and this is kind of I actually mm-hmm. uh, segues in a little bit with um, with agents and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, and basically, it was like uh, mm-hmm. Ken Kallenbach, who was a friend of ours, uh, asked, "Should there be a, a CBA exception for signing drafted goalies since their development timeline is usually much longer?" So it's pretty common uh, mm-hmm. that the time that you know that the, the time takes a lot longer for them to develop. Sometimes you don't seem to develop till they're mm-hmm. like you know twenty four, twenty five. It's kind of like Anton Forsberg mm-hmm. and stuff, and and you really risk losing that player yeah. if you draft them younger. So, uh, what what do you think about mm-hmm. that? Yep. I mean, I you know I don't I don't know if there needs to be you know an exception in the CBA. I just look at um, teams' individual approach to drafting goaltenders. Like if you look. You know, if you look at like, say, you know, the Blackhawks, like they're they're not, you know, they're not necessarily using high picks on on goaltenders per se. You know, um, I think every once in a while there's going to be a, a special goaltender. I think um, the Ottinger kid out of Boston University was a mm-hmm. like a bid to a late round first first pick first round pick to Dallas and, and stuff like that. But, yeah, the Blackhawks. Yeah, just you're missing. right. Like, yeah. Part. Yeah, yeah, the Blackhawks just missed right? him because he, oh. he he went he went they yeah. traded the pick away and then Dallas picked Ottinger mm-hmm. in that spot and then they picked Yoki Haru just just later. So yeah, yeah, like I you know <clears throat> I mean I certainly think like with you know with us you mentioned Cal Peterson earlier mm-hmm. um, Cal Cal like you know same thing with Vinny um, except he made it you know he made it past his junior year. Um, you know, but his 19 year old year, he was in Waterloo, right? He and Vinny played together uh, there for one season and then three years at Notre Dame. He loved Notre Dame. He's going to finish his degree at Notre Dame. Um, but he's, you know, he's in the American league. He's an American league all-star now. Um, and he's, you know, he's in a tremendous position developmentally, you know? So again, I think that that's something that, you know, goaltenders, you know, a goaltender has to think about like that, that would certainly be the advice that, that we would give is give yourself a chance. Like in, in the Ontario league or in major junior you're if you're not ready for, you know, for pro hockey, um, by the time you're 21, what's out there for you, you know? So, right, right. you know, Cal signed his entry level deal when he was 22, um, turning 23, you know? So I think every, everybody's a little bit different, you know? when it comes to, when it comes to that, but yeah, you're right. Like, um, you know, now, and, and it's, it's more common where guys are getting their shot at 25, 26, 27, like another one of the, you know, clients that, that our agency was, was founded on was Tim Thomas, Mm -hmm. who did not win a starting job in the NHL until he was 32 years old. Right. Yeah. So, and he's a great, great story Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. yeah. People are very familiar with that now with the stuff that's going on with Jeff Glass. So, they're kind of bringing that up, which, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I, for sure. I, I want to wrap up one last thing here. Um, it's not really a, a question, mm-hmm. but I kind of wanted to, you know, maybe you could talk about this a little bit. Now, you you, you guys got mm-hmm. two clients and Tanner Carroll and uh, Vincent mm-hmm. Estroza. You guys both, they, they kind of went yep. in opposite directions and you're both, you know, they're mm-hmm. both in your, what was the kind of the, the dynamic there or the thought? I mean, I know Vinny was very disappointed that he didn't make, uh, you know, the Hawks out of camp. Tanner, I'm mm-hmm. sure was, you mm-hmm. know, much more elated about that, but then, you know, kind of the fortunes got mm-hmm. kind of reversed a little bit. So I know Mario was kind of talking yeah, with a, you about that a little bit. Yeah. It's a, it's a difficult, yeah, it's a difficult, you know, cause, uh, you know, at the time, like, you know, Tanner, Tanner, you know, last year when they brought him up, they brought him up right before Christmas. He was a college free agent. 
um, you know, and, and a Hobie finalist and, you know, and, and what he got 17 games in his first year of pro. And then um, last year was the second year and they brought him up right around Christmas time. And then almost similar to camp uh, camp, what they're doing with camp this year, like they gave him opportunities. And then, you know, we did a two year extension with those guys um, in March. So like with, you know, I talked about it earlier, like with, with, with our group, like, you know, relationships are very, very important. Tanner and Vinny are, are very close. They're, mm-hmm. they're very good buddies. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's, I would be lying if I said it didn't keep me up at night, you know what I mean? But this is a, it's a brutal business and it's, it's not glamorous. And it's like roll. You have to be able to roll with things like, you know, with Vinny, he had a tremendous summer. Right. And one of the things that he really focused on was his from his neck up, like, like his mental game. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, because, you know, that I think is, is critical with Tanner. Tanner's always been pretty strong mentally. I wouldn't say Tanner played his way. I don't, I wouldn't say Tanner played his way out of the lineup, you know? Right. Um, Because I think when he, when he did get an opportunity, he played well, but he was one of those guys that sat, that sat for extended stretches for, you know, you know, um, for whatever reason, you know, that, that the coaches decided. So, um, Vinny kind of did what he needed to do, which he needed to dominate the American league and, and, and not let anything get in his way and stuff like that. So he earned this opportunity and, and now he's got that opportunity to grab a job and keep it right. And, you know, take it and, which is all you can ask for mm-hmm. Tanner, is doing well now and yeah. you know stan and i communicate weekly he is he's very hands-on when it comes to the players and 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 very involved and things like that with with Vinny, um when he would have good weekends he and i would be on the phone on monday talking about what the plan was with with vin and it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of similar with tanner like now tanner's got i think 11 points in his last nine games down there Right, you know, yeah, and right. can he come up and seamless, seamlessly transition? Absolutely. So it's, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, you know, you just try to be there and you try to influence the things that you can influence and control the things that you can control. Just from my standpoint, like, like helping Tanner stay upbeat, stay focused. We thought that <clears throat> there was an awfully good chance that he was going to get picked up on waivers. You know, a couple of teams came close, and one team in particular made a late trade for a center, which, you know, so Tanner ended up clear, you know, mm-hmm. getting through waivers and right. down in Rockford and he's making the most of it. So, right. um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's a, that's a difficult situation, but you're, you know, you just continue to kind of control the things that you can control and, and, and work hard on the play, you know, uh, on the player's behalf. So. Awesome. Thanks. Well, uh, Pete, you know, John, John and I want to uh, thank you for taking a little bit of time out of your Sunday, uh, Sunday evening to talk a little Blackhawks hockey with us and and about your players and and your agency. So uh, Mm -hmm. we'll let you, we'll let you go for the night. And uh, again, that's uh, Pete Rutilli from uh, Acme World Sports. And uh, I'm sure we'll probably, you know, ask to have you on again, you know, in the, uh, you know, as we move on, but uh, we really appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, that sounds good. Any anytime, guys. I I appreciate it, and uh, you know, continued success with uh, you know with your podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
Okay. Thanks. Uh, thanks again to Pete for, for coming on. That was, that was really informative. Uh, I, I can't wait to have him on again. I'm sure he's going to have a lot to say. So, uh, uh, thanks. Thanks again to Pete and his agency for, for making the time to, uh, to chat with us. Um, so I think that wraps up this week's podcast. Uh, you can find all of our work, all of our wonderful content at www.the-rink.com. You can find us on the popular social media. Uh, that's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the rink official. Uh, you can find this Rinkcast account with all the information on the Rinkcast at the Rinkcast. You can find me, Jeff Osborne at puck and hostel. You can find you, sir, Mr. Jekyll, John Jekyll at Jekyll, J A E C K E L. Uh, if you get a chance, I know you can do this on phone, on your iPhones now. If you get a chance, please head over to iTunes, rate and review us. Uh, it, will, it will move us up. We'll get more listeners. We've had really good response the past couple uh, rink casts, and I can't thank the fans enough. Uh, with uh, Justin and Scott Powers, um, they, we've had a really good response on the podcast. So uh, let's, let's keep this momentum moving on with Pete and... Uh, uh, you can also, if you use any other kind of podcatchers, usually they have uh, ratings and review services on there. If you could please just, you know, give us what you think. I'm not even going to say you have to give us a five star, whatever you think. If you enjoy us, give us a five give us star. Give us six. Yeah, give us six stars. Yeah, 11 on the uh, on the old uh, amp. Uh, but uh, I don't have any more uh, last plugs. Uh, John, you got anything else you want to plug, you want to talk about? Um, no, I, I th- who's our next guest? Who, who are we looking at? Uh, we don't have, any, we don't have a, any solid schedule yet, but I kind of put out a, a little bit of a blog this week, uh, which basically, uh, Jeff Glover, who is a, an actor, big Blackhawks fan the, from Chicago. The now official <laughs> film and television actor of the rink.com. Jeff yes. Glover. Yes. You have, he oh, has a uh, very uh, nice Schaumburg high school. I guess with Schaumburg Conan. I don't know. One of those high schools. Yeah. It was Schaumburg. Yeah. It was Schaumburg. He's out in my, out in my old, uh, stomping ground. So. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all, we also have lined up. Uh, we're gonna I think we're gonna bring on Sean White, who works for the Green Bay Gamblers Correct. in the US, USHL. Um, we're gonna Mark Holcomb from the band Periphery. He's a big Blackhawks right. fan. He watches. He's such a big fan, and he's from Chicago originally. He's such a big fan that he lives in Spain and watches the Blackhawks game. So, you That's know, you, cool. you guys think you guys have it rough. <laughs> It's got to be. It's got to be pretty hard to get games in Spain, especially with a six, seven hour time difference. So, those are just a couple of the guests that we have coming up. So, uh, you know, we're we're really stoked about having these new interesting guests that that a lot of people don't have on. That now we we could bring to you fans to give them a little bit of an interesting perspective on uh, you know the Blackhawks and from from all I think views. Next, in the next couple of days, we're going to have a piece um, penned by yours truly on the on the website that's going to deal with. Um, some of the issues we talked about surrounding the Hawks tonight and, uh, you know, what, what the future may hold for this team, not necessarily based on any uh, tips or information from sources in this case, but rather more just sort of um, common sense and, and uh, where things might, might be headed. And uh, um, so that's, that's going to be coming up. We're going to have a game preview and game thread tomorrow, as always, um, which will go up tomorrow sometime during the day. Um, and then if you want to join us on the game thread tomorrow night and comment on the game in real time with, uh, with all the rank rats, we'll be, we'll be there to join you. Um, what else, what else we got? <laughs> we, we got everything. We got something for you every day, all the time. Dude, we got it all. We got, we got it Bob all. Rose. Bob Rose is going to be joining us probably at some point here soon with a, uh, 
with another uh, knowledge bomb, and he's been dropping his knowledge nuggets occasionally here through the holidays. Bob's been dealing with some family health issues, but uh, he's going to start getting getting active. And then uh, as we get a little closer to to draft time, our, our uh, senior writer Bill Plasic will will start uh, contributing some stuff on prospects. We've got uh, Mario covering Rockford like uh, like the do, I guess. <laughs> Whatever they have up in Rockford. Yeah, you yeah. know what. But before we get going, and I sorry to interrupt you, but I just want to give a shout out to Mario. Mario, Mario did, did a lot of the legwork to get Pete to come onto the show, and uh, Mario Terabas. If you're not following, you better be, uh, because he has been just nailing it out there at Rockford. And uh, you know, it's not easy to have to you know deal with an AHL team and driving the travel, watching the games and stuff like that. But he absolutely nails it, and he's been getting yeah. interviews. And so, uh, our boy Mario Terabasi, a big shout out to him. So. We got a, we have a new writer who's been really busy, and uh, he's a former player. His name's Tyler Majewski, um, also another uh, Northwest suburban guy. Um, so that's that's all that's all good. And uh, Tyler's been been really killing it. Uh, we had another we had uh, a young writer named Eric Andrews contribute this week. We'll see if uh, if he wants to continue with that. And uh, oh, one one last thing: um, our our long-awaited and much ballyhooed. Um, so that's a, probably the first time we've used the word ballyhooed. <laughs> Our long way to much ballyhooed rink.com, the rink.com clothing line from puck hockey is still in the works. It, uh, it's probably, I think I'm guessing another week or two away. And, uh, Matt Marini, if you're listening, no pressure there, bud. Um, another future so, guest. That's right. And, and Matt, and when, when we drop the line, which will be, uh, like I said, pretty soon here, Matt and uh, maybe some of the other people from Puck Hockey, Alyssa or uh, Amy, will uh, will join us, um, and we'll talk about their business and uh, our relationship with them and and uh, some of the celebrities they work with, like Snoop Dogg and uh, Marion Hosa, Thomas Tatar, Hampus Lindholm, Freddie Anderson, etc. So it's there. That's a really cool sort of you know part of the whole hockey picture that we're pulling together at the rink for you guys. Super Luke. <laughs> there, it is. there it is there it is yeah so yeah don't also don't forget our uh exclusive sponsor like you just said puckhockey.com p-u-c-k-h-c-k-y.com and use that discount code the rink yeah go buy some crap come on yeah go buy some crap i i was i spent well, about a good go buy a bunch of stuff at puck hockey you, you, you don't have anything better to do right <laughs> i i actually spent a good couple of hours this week uh perusing through their website you know, fill in my basket for my cart full of stuff. So, um, nice. I'm right there with everyone. I, I got to get my own puck, puck hockey stuff. So, awesome. All right. Well, I think that covers just about everything. Or everything. Pretty uh, much. The pretty world, much. everything. Yeah. So we'll try to uh, we'll try to put something together again this week sometime. But uh, to all the fans out there, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedules to download, listen, and support us. Until next week, see you on the ring.